It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it is a great Father's Day gift. Grip6 has a special offer for you at Grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 535 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, June 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at Woodley Sean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. Please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network for all the offerings we have over there. If you're a fan of a team that did not win the NBA championship and has a first-round pick, please make sure you're listening to the Locked On NBA Mock Draft, which is going on right now. I think two days are in the book, the first 12 picks. So make sure you're uh, listening in there if you're a fan of a bad team that did not win a championship. I still can't get over it, man. The Raptors are NBA champions. And joining me today to talk about the championship and the parade and championship gear and also the book that we wrote together, it's, uh, I think, making his podcast debut. It's Alex Wong. How's it going, man? Hey, what's up, man? It's been 535 episodes of Locked On Raptors. Yeah. We're in the post-title era now. I don't know what's going to happen next. Maybe we just end it after like the next couple weeks. But uh, <laughs> it's... I love I love how you keep slandering other teams too while you promote the mock draft <laughs> podcast. I, I honestly, when you started when you started saying that, you might have caught me cracking up because I was like, "Oh, is Sean just like slandering other teams right now for no reason?" We're allowed to do <laughs> that. I felt kind of bad. I felt kind of bad when you were like, "Oh yeah, tune into the Locked On Mock Draft." <laughs> We're allowed to do that for like at least two months now. I think it's uh, two months, man. You don't even like. I'm really excited to see the the energy on Twitter next season. Yeah, for the Raptors because, uh, I mean, obviously, like whether Kawhi leaves or comes back, I think will change that attitude. But you know, it's it's gonna be fun watching. A lot of people, Raptors people on Twitter, pick up a, kind of a new personality, I think. I think it's going to be just the most relaxed season ever. Like, they could start, like, 1-10, in 10 and it's like, yeah, but the, they just had a ring ceremony. Like, who cares? <laughs> but, yeah, well, uh, I'm not even considering, like, Kawhi 
shit right now. I, I'm ready for you to make your jokes about Alex McKechnie being hired by the Clippers at any time on this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so backstory, backstory. I think, <laughs> what was it? You tweeted, what did you tweet? You tweeted something like pro McKechnie about yeah. how like, Kawhi would never leave um, here because the Raptors have him, right? I might have just like said it to you after, like, at a game when we were covering a game, if I'm not mistaken. I don't even know if I Yeah, tweeted, you might have yeah. said it to me, and then I think, like, three days later when I saw you at the next game, <laughs> you know, I just ruined your whole evening when I was like, you know the Clippers could just offer him $20 million a year and sign him, <laughs> right? <laughs> this uh, is me. I, I just like to ruin people's days, is what I do. Yeah, well, this was during the peak of, like, the Sixers series where the swings back and forth were enormous and it felt like shit half the time. And that's not the case anymore. So go ahead, Alex McKechnie. Go get the bag. I don't care. The Raptors just won the damn title. Uh, (laughs) They really did. They really did. It's incredible. Hasn't even been, like, 48 hours. I know. And, like, they're champions forever. It just never goes away. Like, Kyle Lowry is a champion for good now. It's, uh, yeah, man. Is there someone that you're particularly happy for? I know Kyle's the easy one. Is there anyone else that you're like, super uh, honestly, I know for? Kyle's the easy one, but it's, it is Kyle. Yeah. Like, I think even after they beat the Bucks in the Eastern Conference finals, when, when the fans started chanting his name at the podium, like, it was funny because I was thinking back, like, they've never chanted his name during his seven years here, mm-hmm. which feels like egregious. It does. And, it was always DeMar yeah. was, like, the guy, right? Yeah, mm. and, like, Kyle was just kind of the steady guy next to him, you know, who did all the stuff, as we all know, that doesn't show up on the box scores and things like that, which is why I'm even happier that he had that game six performance, coming out and scoring the first 11 points Yeah, and just having an incredible game. And I know we've been saying this all playoffs. It's like all your playoff Kyle Lowry narratives are stupid now and things like that. But definitively like definitively he put it away in a finals clinching game and uh, yeah I, honestly I'm, I'm so happy for him and he seems so overwhelmed holding the larry ob which is the only way we're referring to the trophy <laughs> now i guess so um it, it's incredible that's my favorite moment when when um i'm sure you've seen the photos and videos i'm sure everyone's seen it of Masai just so ecstatic yeah. standing behind kyle just waiting for him to lift the trophy Masai and Serge were my favorite guys on that stage because Serge was just so excited. He was rubbing his hands for like <laughs> ten minutes, waiting for them to lift the trophy. It's just, it's just there's just so much joy. Like you go back and see photos and video clips, you, you're picking up new things like all the time, and it's hasn't been forty eight hours. I know the yeah the the Serge passing it to Kyle. Like I thought I was gonna like I'm an emotional wreck right now during like the playoffs, and I've like cried a bunch of just like random like displays of Raptors spirit like I cried I told Katie Heindel about this a couple weeks ago I was driving on the 407 and there was a let's go Raptors uh sign on the 407 and I like got welled up because I was just like so moved by all the support it was weird uh but I haven't really cried or anything since they won the title but the one time where it did happen was when Serge looked like for a second he was gonna lift the trophy but then pass it to Kyle first and like Kyle lift it and that really got me man and yeah, seeing it in slow no, motion I've, I've, with Masai is uh, also amazing yeah no I've, I've read articles the past few days and that stuff has just given me chills yeah just like just like reading quotes from people or just reading people just kind of put this championship run in perspective and I think for people like us who've covered the team and who've followed the team for so long like you know 
remove the fact that like you know like me personally like i've watched the raptors since their inaugural season even just like the Masai era just all the ups and downs of that and all the playoff disappointments like i can look back now and laugh at randy whitman sweeping us <laughs> even though he couldn't even get the whiteboard like like correctly um like i i can almost laugh at lebron like shooting just fadeaway jumpers practicing in the fourth quarter uh, of a playoff game and you know i don't want to look ahead but man if if Kawhi comes back and the lakers make some moves because like you know as you know because of the injuries now to the warriors the nba is pretty open next season yeah um in terms of the title like I would love my dream scenario, and a lot of things have to happen, obviously. Number one being Kawhi coming back. Let's try to go for a repeat next year and take down LeBron in the finals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, oh, imagine. I mean, I mean, it's a, I mean, if two things just have to happen. If Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers and Kawhi comes back, there is like probably a better than 50% chance that it could be a Raptors-Lakers finals, is all I'm saying. <sighs> Uh, okay, I, I gotta I gotta stop thinking because that's too exciting to think about. Also terrifying at the same time. Uh, but that's great. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna go somewhere. We were talking. Well, I had something in my head that I was gonna say, but I forget because you've ruined whatever my train of thought was with all of that. Um, yeah, the Larry B. Kyle Lowry thing. I mean, it's, that's the reason I bought my most irresponsible piece of championship gear yesterday. I bought the Kyle Lowry, uh, Larry O'B. bobblehead. For 50 the bucks? Same. Yeah. Uh, same. <laughs> did you get more than one bobblehead or just the one? Oh, yeah. I got I got the Kyle. I got the Kawhi. <laughs> Someone sent me a link to a Jeremy Lin one, but I don't think it's from the official store. Yeah, so, so kind of a shady site, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense that, you know, I guess a Jeremy Lin championship bobblehead would be bootleg. <laughs> um, kind of makes sense to me, to be honest. Um, I've bought a lot of shirts, um, bought a hoodie. Um, it's just been nonstop. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a little bit irresponsible, but it's also one of those things where I feel like it's just a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. Like, obviously we would love for the Raptors to do this again and over and over again, but I think that's why a lot of people, I mean, myself included, bought a lot of NBA finals merch when, when they beat the Bucks because, you know, there was no guarantees that they were going to beat the Warriors, especially with Durant's return looming. So you just kind of want to hold on to these moments. And, you know, personally for myself, um, having that merch, you know, having these bobbleheads, they're just great keepsakes. Like, like yeah. I was, I was thinking yesterday, like, man, like no matter what happens, like this, this is real fake deep, but it's like, no matter what happens to like the rest of our lives, like we'll always have been part of this championship run. Absolutely. And I think, I think about teams, like think about like, I don't know, like Cubs fans mm. or Leafs fans, like, there's a lot of fans out there who are probably older than us, up there in age, who've never seen their team win a championship, and they, they might never. And just just to have had one chance to witness this is is incredible. Yeah, it's like I know the whole repeat thing will become more of a thing if like Kawhi sticks around, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks, I'm sure. It's a daily damn podcast. I don't know what we're supposed to talk about, so I guess we'll talk about that <laughs> next week. But uh, like the the singular sort of like uniqueness of this run, and that it kind of is what stood out to me when we were writing our book, which we'll get to, and we'll shamelessly plug a whole lot on this podcast. But like, it was such a unique run that like very few teams can even sort of claim to have replicated, and it just it almost feels like a one of a kind type thing that. 
it almost feels like more than just one title, if that makes any sense. Like, I, like some titles I think are kind of worth more than others in sort of like the the eyes of the fan base that sort of experiences them. And I think this one is going to go down as that. It was just so whirlwind from last summer, like getting swept and then firing Nick Nurse and then bringing in Kawhi and then like less than a year later, it all kind of leads to this. And the postseason run was so just like full of emotional swings back and forth. I just, I don't know if anything ever, like like, I read Ben Rohrbach wrote a thing today for uh, Yahoo Sports about how this is like a unique one of a kind run. And I, I, I totally agree. I just, I don't think we'll see something like this from like a singular team. And even if they don't win it, like having this one is gonna be, it's gonna last me like 25 years, man. Like it was, it's just that singular and different and just, like unexpected almost. I don't know, man. I, I don't know how you're feeling about it. If you think it's unique or one of a kind, but that's all I can really think of right now. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And I think, like you said, you know, obviously I think a, a lot of us had hopes that the Raptors could get to this point, especially after they traded for Kawhi, but so many things had to come together. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I think we saw flashes of them being a great team during the regular season, but regardless of that, because of the low management, because of the shuffling of the lineups in and out and things like that, we were never truly going to see what this team was going to be until the playoffs, Yeah, which made it, I think, exciting in a way, but also that's kind of nerve-wracking, right? Like, you don't know. You really didn't know what you had with this team. You could only talk about it hypothetically. And, you know, it seems like years ago now, but, you know, you remember the first playoff game, yeah. like when Mark and Kawhi blew that defensive assignment against DJ Augustine. <laughs> and, like, I don't think anyone was truly stressed that they were going to lose to the Magic, but... I think it just brought back a lot of old feelings of, oh, okay, like, we're doing this again. Yeah. Like, e- even with Kawhi, we're really going to do this again. And, you know, there was reasons to be concerned because they put together a really great team. They traded for Marcus Gasol at the trade deadline, but they didn't have a lot of time to come together. And, you know, you had to get past the Magic, and then you had to face the Sixers right away. It's like, once you got past the first round, like, there was really not a margin for error, you know, versus the teams that they're playing against. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I keep thinking back is, like, it's kind of like, you know, when you watch, like, TV shows and, like, people try to avoid spoilers and stuff. Like, I really wish um, someone would have just told me at the start of the playoffs that the Raps were going to win it all. <laughs> so, that during, so that during all those stressful moments, like, like, when they were down 2-1 against the Sixers and Powell had the injury and he was questionable, um, the Game 7 against the Sixers, when they were down 2-0 against the Bucks, you know, I remember after they got blown out, after the second game, I was literally looking up vacations to go on during the finals. Yeah. Because I just wanted to, like, get away for a week. And I was literally at the final screen of clicking purchase for, like, this one-week trip. And I was like, you know what? I'll just wait and give them a chance. <laughs> like, I'll wait until it's 3-0 or something like that. And I'm really glad I did that. I mean, I would have I not gone on that trip anyways, yeah. you know, had they made the finals and all that. But that's just to speak of, like you're saying, like, it was such a one-of-a-kind playoff run. And I know there's been all this comparisons to Kawhi and Jordan in terms of this playoff run. And it does remind me of a little bit of kind of like an old-school playoff run of, like, you have this one alpha dog guy, but then you have all the supporting cast pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Pascal's not necessarily like Scottie Pippen, but he was a great second-scoring option. Um, I think Kyle was a very underrated point guard um, in terms of the things that he did. And, you know, it speaks for itself now because he's a champion. And we've seen so many of these, like, super teams. Um over the past like five ten years i think that especially makes it feel more one of a kind in this era because this is kind of the old school approach that i remember watching growing up Mm -hmm. is that a team had one great player um and then got some great coaching 
and supporting cast showed up every night, different guys. So, you know, in that way, it was, it was really cool to see. I think you could argue that, like, the second superstar on the team was, like, the team's defense. Like, that mm-hmm. is sort of a weird concept to wrap your head around, I think. But, like, it was so comforting to know that when the Raptors' offense was a little sticky and having its issues, like, it was still always going to defend the shit out of whoever they were up against. And it was, you know, that game against the Bucks, game three, like, Kyle fouls out. Fred has to come in. I think he was like 0 for 8 when he checked in. He ended up like 1 of 11. Danny, I think, was 1 of 9 in that game. Hit his 3 after Kyle fouled out too. But the thing about that game was that their defense was so good late. Like, Kawhi didn't really have like an offensive showcase or anything like that in that game. I think he shot pretty poorly, but he had like a couple steals late that were sort of the defining plays of that second overtime. And it just it always felt like their defense was going to bail them out. And I think that, too, is so, like, different from what the Raptors have had in the past. Like, that was their whole thing last year, right? It was the regular season was the culture reset. Remember culture reset? Oh, my God. That's so long ago. Uh, Remember and like, the start of this season when Tyloo, the Cavs coach? Can you believe that was this season? <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling people that. that that's my hope. That's my main, um, could you believe it's been that long ago thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's my version of, did you know Jack Armstrong's only 56? Uh. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that one still messes me up. I feel like he ages backwards. Mm-hmm. Like, next season we're going to be like, did you know Jack's actually only 51? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you were saying about the culture reset? Yeah, no, it was, so they, like, the offense was, like, the, like perceived as the problem going into last year. And then it became, like, it was fine in the over, in the playoffs. It was great, and it was the defense that whole like oh they're really really bad against elite offenses thing that stat that that sort of popped up near the end of the year, and it totally let them down in the playoffs against the Cavs. Uh, and it, just to see sort of the flip on its head, where it's just like yeah no no matter who they're up against, whether it's Giannis or Joel Embiid or whoever, their defense is just going to shut people down. And I I don't know I just found it to be very refreshing and very comforting to know that defense was just kind of always lingering there. So uh, I don't know if, if that holds water, the idea that, that that was the second star on the team, but it was, yeah, uh, no, it was I, damn I fun actually, to watch. I totally agree with you. you know, I was asking a um, couple of writers during the finals um, about the defense because I was thinking about trying to think about the last playoff team with this level of defense for such a consistent level. Yeah. And I think we were going back like five years, ten years. I know the Spurs got brought up. Like some of those some of the Spurs teams I think was really good. I think LeBron with Miami at his peak. Yeah. Um those teams were freakishly scary. Um but I mean this team this defense ranks up there. And the way I look at it is, you know, obviously the past playoff teams the personnel was different. But like you said, you know, they had terrible defensive numbers against elite offenses, which is obviously not the case this season. And this is how they were able to win all these games on the road. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't win on the road just by counting on your team scoring 120 points or whatever every night. They won their last four road games of this playoff run, and they were all stressful. I mean, obviously the Warriors were shorthanded, but the Game 5 against Milwaukee, which helped them avoid a Game 7 um, on the road... And all three games in this series. And the thing I keep going back to in the finals, too, is that I give a lot of respect to the Warriors because I think any other team, if they played this Raptors team, who was operating on such a high level, the Raptors would have swept any other team that came out of the West. Like, I'm convinced of it. Like, like if Houston came out of the West or whoever it might be, the Raptors would have swept them. 
Maybe Houston would have gone one game. The fact that this, the Warriors were able to win two games and almost win a game six to force a game seven, given all their circumstances, was incredible. And the way they were able to even score like over 100 points against this Raptors team, honestly, is like a remarkable achievement. The way the Raptors was flying and how connected they were on defense for most of this series, like it was unbelievable. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm still stunned Steph didn't hit that last three because like my entire sort of state of mind the entire series was... Steph's going to always come back. Like, even in game one yeah. where the Raptors were up, like, I didn't feel comfortable until Kyle hit that three to put them up, like, 12 with a minute and a half left. And even then, it's like, <laughs> yeah. is that enough? I'm not sure. And it just always felt like he was one little run away. But I guess the way the Raptors sort of countered that was they were always one little run away of, like, really great defense to turn it the other way. And, you know, like, we saw it in game six against the Bucks, right? Like, Oh yeah, okay. We'll just play defense for three minutes, and now we're leading the game. Like that was just kind of how they did the whole thing, all, all like all playoffs long, and it was uh, it was refreshing. And the fact, yeah, the Warriors, man, they were just like <laughs> I, I'm out of words to describe how like amazing they are, and I respect the hell to them. And like Iguodala having that game he did in Game Six was like some legend shit and like can go into a hall of fame case for that guy like he was incredible in that game and for the raptors to be able to like i know just based on the number of like warm bodies each team had it would have been a pretty big disappointment for the raptors not to win the series but i also think it's a credit to them for sort of you know overcoming whatever sort of insane championship DNA cliche shit, whatever you want to say that the Warriors had, like they had it, man. Like they are, like the living embodiment of that Rudy Tomjanovich quote, right? That they were just, they were impossible to kill. And I was convinced that Steph three was going down. Like, what was your sort of? Uh, I think you just tweeted like a little bit before recording about the the Danny Green turnover late. <laughs> what was your, uh, what was your sort of like thought process in the final like fifteen seconds of that game? Yeah, you know when Danny. When Danny threw that ball away, I don't know if you've seen that Cam Cam Newton meme where he just kind of nods on the sidelines and then walks <laughs> off. It's just kind of like he nods because it's like, all right, we lost this one, but it's on to the next game. Like that was kind of like my inner kind of monologue. Like, all right, like I was kind of like you. Like, you know, the Warriors are gonna come down whether it's Steph, probably Steph or someone else. Like, they're gonna win the game. Mm-hmm. Like, it it just seemed destined that that was what was gonna happen. Because I've seen this. I've seen this before. Like. You know, whether it's a regular season game, like a random February game against the Wizards or something, or a playoff game. We've seen these moments with the Raptors. Like, just, just you know, bad execution um, at the end of quarters, at the end of games. And, yeah, no, I was, I was kind of like you. I was honestly really angry that there was going to be a Game 7. <laughs> like, I just couldn't believe that they're going to make a shot here and this series where I think the Warriors ended up winning, like, what, five quarters? Yeah. Uh, in the entire series? Like, this is actually going to a winner-take-all. Like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
with the shot and then obviously we all know the sequence like he missed the shot and then the Warriors tried to call a timeout at midcourt and the funny th- funniest thing to me is like obviously when there was .9 left and I think Kawhi had shot the technical and then he was fouled like it was over yeah. like the the outside of the weirdest like Steph getting off a full court shot that goes in and all that stuff like it, it was over but that sequence still took like five minutes <laughs> and, and I don't know if, like I was watching on the TV and I'm sure you were watching on the TV too and it's like for for like two minutes there, there was the clock set zero. Yeah. On, on TV, like it set zero. Yet the championship wasn't clinched, which was like the most Raptors thing. Like, of course, when they finally won the championship, it would be the most anticlimactic thing. That was like, the same it, thing. It, it just it just felt that way to me. That was the same thing that happened at the end of Game Six against the Bucks too. Remember, like the seven point eight mm-hmm. seconds that wouldn't go away because they couldn't yeah. inbound it, and then they like call like multiple timeouts. <laughs> And then there was like a, they traded fouls back and forth. That that took yeah. forever too. It was just like edging the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It it, it it still feels the same. It still feels oh, yeah. good. Yeah. No. Like, the, I think in the moment, I was more like, man, I've always pictured that you know, if the Raptors were one day going to clinch a championship, it would be the most exciting thing. Like some kind of like storybook shit where they like win by twenty five. And, like, everybody checks out of the game in the fourth quarter, you know? Yeah. And, like, gets their own standing ovation at home. And, like, instead, no, the last home game of the season was, like, the most devastating finals night in recent memory because of the KD injury. And then they won on the road with, you know, a five-minute break at the the very end. But, you know what? It's all the same. It honestly is just – it's all the same. It's a championship. Yeah. The – I mean, yeah, the storybook way would have been Kyle hitting that shot in game five and just – wrapping it up there but yeah so it's it's almost a little nicer that it was a little bit messy i think and they had to earn it a little bit more it would have been i don't know how you felt i would have felt a little weird if the raptors had won game five and there was like the celebration going on while the warriors and like bob myers is having that press conference while the championship celebration is happening that would have felt like a very weird sort of juxtaposition of two teams in like extremely different positions and obviously it was pretty somber with Clay Thompson's knee and everything, but it was not quite the same level of despair, I think, that the Warriors had after Game 6 than they did after Game 5. I don't know. Did you feel, like, relieved almost they didn't win it in that Game 5? Yeah, you know, I was at the arena for Game 5, and, you know, talked to a lot of writers after, and, like, it just didn't feel like it was a finals-clinching game. Yeah. Um, it, it did at the start, but, you know, after the KD stuff happened, and obviously some of the unfortunate fan reactions initially... Yeah. Um, it just—it was just a weird vibe in the arena. Like in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, it felt like a regular season game, and like things just happened so fast. Like you know, Kawhi had made that push, I think a ten-two run all by himself late in the fourth quarter, and it felt like okay, he's just written like the game recap for everyone, right? Like he's like written the story that he's been building up towards the entire playoffs, and then the Warriors come back, and like I was like, man. The Raptors really have the ball right now after Boogie got called for that illegal screen. Like, the Raptors have the ball at home at Scotiabank Arena, and they just need to make a shot and they can win a championship. And it didn't feel like it had that magnitude. Like, that possession mm-hmm. kind of just happened. Yeah. And, you know, you're right. Like, I was telling everyone, like, if they had won that night, not that it matters, but I feel like their championship would have been, like, the second story on SportsCenter. Like, Katie's injury <laughs> would have led SportsCenter. Yeah. Yeah, the, the KD and, shit sucks so much, man. No, it does. And, like, I mean, I know that's a whole other conversation, but, um, you know, I don't know who to point fingers at. Maybe there's nobody to point fingers at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because if, if it is true that the Warriors medical staff, I mean, based on their information, said 
Actually, there is somebody to point fingers at. Because if you say he can only re-injure his calf, and that's turned out to be not true, yeah. I feel like there was some negligence there. But yeah. um, Alex I, McKechnie I just, would never. I, yeah, what'd you say? Sorry. I said Alex McKechnie would never. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe on the Clippers. Um, <laughs> but, but like for me, it's like, man, no championship, especially for a player like KD who already has two championships and two finals MVPs, no championship is worth coming back for to like potentially yeah. alter your career and miss an entire season over. Yeah. This is not. Like I don't I don't care what the scenario is, whether they were down three one, all of that stuff, whether he was medically cleared. Um I mean if he's medically cleared, then yes, but it's like in retrospect, they should have known mm-hmm. that he was not ready. And and the vibe was so weird throughout the um the series because Kerr would be giving these updates in between games and then at one point he was like, Alright, I'm gonna stop giving you guys these updates, I'm just gonna tell you if he's playing or not and then suddenly after they went down three one, he said that okay Katie's practicing tomorrow. So then all the media, we were all waiting to watch Katie practice because they opened the practice area for the first 30 minutes. But of course, like every practice Katie went through, he went to the third floor at the arena and practiced in private. And then you heard that it was only light scrimmages. It just didn't feel like he was a player that was ready to come back. Yeah. That whole thing and, hanging over the series was... Yeah. It made it such a weird finals. I, mean, I, know, I know you've covered finals before. Like This was the weirdest one you've covered, right? Oh, for sure, and I think there was just no rhythm to this whole series, right? Mm. Like, it felt like every game was just like a standalone episode, and there was always, you know, obviously in the back of our, back of everyone's heads, you were waiting to see if, if the Raptors could race to a championship before KD came back, basically. Yeah. Because because if, if KD came back healthy, even if it was 2-2, or man, even when it was 3-1, like, honestly, after watching that first quarter in Game 5 with KD back, like, if he was healthy... I was already resigned to the fact that the Raptors were going to lose the next three games. He like, looked I, so good. I, yes, and, and, and that's and that's even knowing that the Raptors were operating at such a high level. Mm-hmm. It's just that you can play at that level, but once KD comes back, suddenly in the second quarter, they're not rolling up a lineup of just Clay Thompson with Boogie and like Jarebko and Quinn Cook. <laughs> no, like they they've got they're going to replace those Boogie minutes with KD. Like, when he got hurt, it was those second minutes, but it was Clay and KD. Like, how is that even fair? Like, that's their worst lineup that they're putting out there. Yeah. So, I, I was resigned to the fact, like, after the first quarter, I'm like, man, I know the Raptors only need to get one, and you take your chances with that with three shots. But with KD, it just seemed like he was going to just put his stamp on the series and really do this. And, it, and it's unfortunate. Like, I don't even care, like, who won, who did it. Um, it's just really unfortunate that happened, and then you add in Clay, and it's like yeah. the Warriors are. I mean, I think they'll still make the playoffs, depending on what else they do. But you know, like they're not gonna, probably not gonna compete for a championship next year. Although I will say they'll probably be like the scariest seventh seed if Clay Thompson <laughs> if Clay Thompson is ready to return in the playoffs. Um, that that'll be scary. Yeah, they'll be what people thought like the Clippers were. I guess the Clippers yes. won two games off of them, but like, come on, that was never gonna happen. But yeah, the, like Steph <laughs> well, in a playoff series. My, my favorite thing, my favorite thing, my favorite tweet is uh, Masai is who you all think Danny Ainge was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's like sort of the the great power of just like yeah. the release after they win too. Is that all the weirdness of the finals? It like it kind of just goes away now, and it just sort of moves into just like the joy period. And yeah. I'm loving it so much, man. I, I know it was. I know some people will want to throw an asterisk there, like 
screw that. There's been plenty of uh, plenty of literature written about how that's dumb, but like, I, I just the joy is just so all encompassing now. It's, uh, I still like it's still I I keep looking at like I I keep watching back like Steph's shot and thinking it's gonna go in. <laughs> it's and the thing, yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just gonna the thing about it too is just like we've kind of touched on it already, but it, the fact that it was such a long like journey too with five years or six years ahead of time of just like heartbreak and disappointment. It kind of lends credence to my whole sort of view on the NBA. I know a lot of people sort of look at sports as like, Oh, it's like a one-off. Like you mentioned, like almost like what the finals were, where it's just like standalone episodes every year is a standalone thing. But for me, the NBA has always been about just like long-term sort of storytelling and like how things sort of play out over the course of many years. And for the Raptors to like, cash in on five years of like plot building to win this thing like it makes it that much more gratifying too it's all it's all just so happy right now man i i can't stop smiling <laughs> it's yeah you know I, I think all these random moments just keep coming back to me like i i was just thinking last night about just how everyone in toronto everyone covering the team and the fans felt just going into the summer yeah like we were just coming off the best regular season and a lot of us, I think, talked ourselves into the Raptors being able to get through the Eastern Conference because it just didn't look like a very difficult field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the sweep to happen at the hands of the Cavs again, just, just the way that it happened, like a, a magical season just crumbled in a matter of like six days. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was it was it was tough. And you went into the offseason. Obviously, the first move was that Dwayne getting fired. And it was like, all right, like, I guess this is kind of it. Like, they had made their five-year push, and they were just never good enough. And then the Kawhi things happen. Kawhi thing happens, and suddenly there's new life. Mm-hmm. Like, more than just new life. Like, suddenly you're like, okay, like, the Raptors got the star player that they've always coveted. And they got the best one. Like, they, they got the one that delivered them a championship. <laughs> we couldn't have we sat there and said that, you know, back then. When, you know, there were reports, incredible reports that he had no desire to come to Toronto and all that stuff and uh, the low management, all of that stuff. But man, like they really got and like I think about I start thinking about Kawhi's journey, too. right? Yeah. Like I think I think a lot of Spurs fans will maybe shake their head at this. But whatever disagreement he had, the trust was breached between him and the Spurs organization. Yeah. And not to use like Katie's injury as a way to explain it but in a way it's the same thing right like like you hear Kawhi saying after they won the championship that people thought I was faking an injury and that he just trusted he knew his own body and he didn't want to come back yeah and you know what that's a smart move like I hope like I hope no one ever questions people yeah when they don't don't come back from injuries and we have a history of that remember when Derek Rose with the Bulls like people kept wondering why he wasn't coming back um, after one of his major surgeries. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just thinking back to like last year when the Spurs held a team meeting. And I think Tony Parker said that my injury is like a thousand times worse than, than Kawhi. And I'm back. And like things like that. It just feels like nobody should be putting pressure on people. Yeah. For for these types of things. Like it's it's a job and there's millions of dollars on the line. And, you know, Kawhi said a very interesting thing to me during one of the finals pressers is that he said that this is the best period of my life. Yeah. Like, this is going to be the best part of my life. Like, I'm 26, 27, whatever, like, playing basketball. And, you know, didn't, like, it's not going to get better than this. And that's why he values his health so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know we're kind of going on a tangent, but it's like, 
for me to think about that journey of where he was last year and for him to literally rip through the entire NBA <laughs> and, and through the entire playoffs, like, it's incredible. Like, I, like I, think, I think we would have cheered him and, like, held him up to such a high standard even if he had maybe, like, taken us to the Eastern Conference Finals and, and yeah. got us to a Game 7 in Milwaukee where, you know, it just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Like, it, but no, like, he won. He won the whole thing. The whole thing. Like, it's incredible. His story is so good, and so are so many of the other Raptors as well. And I think, so maybe we can pivot this to for the last part of the podcast. We can talk about the book a little bit, uh, We the Champs. You can order it on uh, and Indigo, Amazon, Triumph Books as well. Should be in stores within a few days, I think, as well. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that on uh, on our social feeds and stuff like that. But so for for people like the breakdown, you'll see when you get the book. Like the breakdown of the book is that you wrote a lot of profiles. Uh, you wrote profiles on all sort of the main players, seven or eight of them, and you know Masai, Nick Nurse as well. I was wondering, like, did you have a favorite one to go back and write about and sort of try to capture their story of the season? Like, is it, is it as simple as it's Kyle because of? everything Kyle did or and like how happy you are with him winning the title or was there someone else that you were like really happy to sort of detail their start to finish sort of run through the season yeah you know one of the features I wrote in the book was of three guys it was Pascal Fred and Norm mm-hmm. um, obviously they played kind of different roles in this postseason Pascal obviously playing the biggest one but Fred as well right mm-hmm. like like in the fourth quarter of the finals clinching game and, and ever since he had the new baby <laughs> um but, you know, just writing, you know, to me, like, their stories really embodies, like, the whole Raptors story. Yeah. Um, just all, all of these pieces, Fred being undrafted, Norm being a second-round pick, Pascal um, going late in the first round, and seeing them go through the G League, um, you know, seeing Blake write, like, you know, 100 features on all these guys <laughs> when, when, when no one really thought they were going to pan out, maybe. Um, and then seeing them becoming, like, core pieces on a championship team. Um I think is incredible. It just speaks to, like you said, there's so many great stories on this team. And I think I was just sitting with someone the other day and just saying, you know what? There's just a lot of good guys on this team. Yeah. Like, like not all athletes, even if they're great, are great people. Um, but, you know, I know Masai values talent and all of that stuff, but I think he also values high character guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can go through championship teams. Like there are a lot of assholes and a lot of not good people that we've had to cheer or look the other way. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the Raptors, I don't think you have any of that. I mean, I think it's argue. You know, again, Spurs fans will argue about Kawhi, and you know, you know, propping up his story and his journey from last year to this year. But you go through the list, man. Like Pascal's a great story. Fred, obviously, a great story. Norm, even guys like you know Mark. Like seeing Mark get a championship. Mm-hmm was great surge like forget about basketball like surge's personal story coming from where he was from yeah you know he was roaming around homeless in the congo his dad was in jail all of that stuff like to get to here to be a champion like that's why when i saw him up on the podium being that excited like that's his life journey man mm-hmm. like this is not even like oh you know his nba journey or oh his, he was part of the Thunder team that blew that 3-1 lead against the Warriors. And this is some kind of redemption for him. Like, to think about where all of these guys came from. Like, Pascal, have, like he didn't start playing basketball until, like, what, eight years ago or something? Mm-hmm. Like, and now he's out here 
like Draymond's trying to get the ball from him <laughs> with like under a minute left, trying to do the swipe. And but no, like Pascal's one step ahead of probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA, like next to Kawhi. Like like Pascal was the best player in game one and arguably the best player in game six mm-hmm. in this series. Like, how incredible that. And in between that he was benched. He was benched the last nine minutes of game five because of his defense. Yeah. And you know, Pascal's story is so great too because he ran into so many challenges in these playoffs, having to go up against Embiid, against Giannis, against Draymond. And it's not like he put up 25 and 10 every game. He'd have his off games. You know, he missed all those corner threes during the finals. But he always played with great energy. Um, and, you know, he brought it on defense. And he just always bounced back. Like, that's the thing I love. A lot of young players, after a little bit in the playoffs, in the spotlight, they might just shrink from it. Like, the moment is just too big for them. Mm-hmm. The moment was never too big for him. Like, it was really fun watching him just struggle and fight through stuff. And he always came out on the other end better. It was incredible. Can you imagine how easy it's going to be for him next year playing against, like, teams that don't have the three of the five best defenders in the world to throw it at him? Like, he, he was guarded by Embiid, Giannis, and Draymond Green the last three rounds. And Jonathan Isaac was pretty good, too, in the first round. Although, remember when, like, the playoffs started and it was like... Is Pascal going to be able to deal with Jonathan Isaac? Uh, yeah, because Isaac yeah. had locked him up for like what two games? Yeah, in the regular season, right? yeah. Um, yeah. God, that feels so long ago. That DJ Augustine three feels an eternity ago. Yes, yeah, outscored so Kyle twenty five nothing. Crazy, um, but yeah, for like Pascal next year going up against like the Phoenix Suns, like that dude is yeah. going to be just like I'll be so free if Pascal is not. An all-star and also on one of the all-NBA teams next season, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's very much in contention for that. And that was such a fun part of That was, like, probably the most unexpected part of this season. I remember coming in, it's like, all right, it's going to be, like, a platoon between OG and Pascal for the four. And then Pascal has that crazy non-televised preseason game against the full Pelicans roster where he puts up, like, 25. I don't remember this. Yeah. What did he do? He put up, like, 25, 8, and 8 or something like that against the okay. Pelicans on a game that wasn't televised. People were watching, like, the Jumbotron feed on Reddit. And he and it was the full Pelicans roster with AD and Drew Holiday and everything. And he just cooked them. And, like, that, I think, kind of sealed his job as the starting four. And then he just kind of took it from there. And he was, like, midway through the season, he started, like, really hitting his threes. And it was like, okay, this seems real now. And then... My favorite Pascal game was the one the day of the trade deadline where they got him. Gasol wasn't yet there, and there were like eight guys on the team. Oh, is that the Atlanta Hawks? Yeah, because Kawhi was resting, and then, yeah, like Pascal put up like 33 on like 15 shots or something crazy like that. And it was like, oh, that that was like the last low-stakes game before Gasol came in, and they had to sort of like get all their shit together. And I think the next game was the DeMar return game too, so it had an extra bit of heft to it. Um, so for that like last low stakes, just very chill game to happen, and then I don't know. I just Pascal his growth over the season, just sort of like looking at it from like taking a step back and just looking from start to finish, like crazy what that dude did, did this year, man. Oh yeah, yeah. And, you know the other thing. Obviously, I don't think any of us want to consider Kawhi leaving yet, but yeah. people have been saying that. Oh, in that scenario, would Pascal flourish as a number one option? Now, I definitely don't think the Raptors can win a championship. You know, if you just take Kawhi out of the equation and Pascal suddenly becomes the number one option, you're yeah. gonna need more than that. But look at the numbers that he put up whenever Kawhi sat this season. Bonkers. Like, yeah, yeah. like like he was putting up numbers that would have put him up there, like mm-hmm. scoring, rebounding, all of that stuff. So he's already proven that if you run the offense kind of through him, 
or just let him create. Like he can do it. And you know, just his energy and just the easy baskets that he gets. I feel like he's like an automatic like 15 and 8 mm-hmm. just being on the floor before he even does anything else like mm-hmm. extra. So, yeah, no, no I, was, I was telling someone yesterday that I honestly think he's got the potential to be a top 10 to 15 player at some point in his career. And I think it's coming. Yeah. He's so so you probably argue he's like top 25 right now, 20, top 30 mm-hmm. like based on how we finished the year. Man, um, it's going to look great when um Pascal's paired up with Giannis. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Oh, it's coming, baby! It's coming. Yeah, the one part. No, but we should. We, yeah, yeah, but we should talk about the the book more, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think just to let let like listeners know, like as you mentioned, like it's we put together a commemorative book of the season. Um, you know, with features on coaches, players, and also just comprehensive recaps of the entire playoff run. And there's a lot of great. I mean, we've seen the electronic copy. There's a lot of great photo spreads in there as well. Yeah, it looks um, awesome. Yeah, no, it, it yeah. definitely looks awesome. And it's not to like downplay the words that we wrote and stuff, <laughs> but you know, for for anyone that's just looking to pick up something that they can have on their shelf, you know, to to kind of keep uh, as kind of a keepsake. Like even if you just wanted to flip through it, you know, I think the cover is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the photos and everything, and the backstory of this. I know a few people have reached out. Yeah. You know, I've had a few people, I'm sure you've seen the comments online saying that, like, the confidence of you two to, like, write this, <laughs> assuming that they're going to win the championship. So, here's what happens. Uh, publisher of Triumph Books reached out to us before the start of the NBA Finals. Yeah. And this is what they do every season. Um, when the team makes the finals, they want to put together a commem- They want to be prepared to have a commemorative book ready for the winning team. And, you know, backstory for me, you know, in 2016, when the Raptors made the Eastern Conference Finals and played the Cavs, when it was 2-2, Triumph Books, that's the first time they reached out to me. Right. Um, and they had asked me, you know, in the event that the Raptors make the finals, would you like to be the guy who, like, puts together all of this stuff? And I was like, yeah, sure. Knowing full well that the Raptors were not beating the Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I totally got you. They're like, oh, if you even wanted to start on this today, like, doing recaps and, like, pulling all the content together, feel free to get a head start. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, kind of just winked at them via email, basically. Yeah, I'll get it started once I finish this sad hotel room podcast with Blake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a throwback. Real ones, though. Um, but so this season, you know, um, they reached out, I think, two days before the NBA Finals. And, you know, so basically, like, for, for listeners, like, we hadn't been planning this all season. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a deal where we'd have to put in the work and kind of go back to things that we have written about, you know, remember the things that happened throughout the season and pull that together while simultaneously putting together um, recaps during finals games mm-hmm. and getting a forward from Jack Armstrong, who was kind enough to make time yeah. to speak to me over the phone. So it was kind of a two week process. And to be honest, like we had to hand in file a lot of our stuff by say the end of game three, because you know, the publisher had to prepare to get it edited, laid it out, printed in, in the event that maybe it would have been a sweep. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because at the beginning, like I had a call with the publisher um, before the start of the series, start of the finals. And I told them, you know, can we move the deadlines back a bit? Because 
I promise you, if the Raptors win, it'll be in six or seven. <laughs> and, and, I, and I know that turned out to be true, but, you know, when it was 3-1, like, we had to have everything ready. Yeah, it was a very, very quick turnaround. It was yeah. fun to do. And I really enjoyed it because, like, I just took, like, a couple days. Because the way we split it up, like, I did a lot of the, like, I did the Sixers and Bucks series, like, every single game. And it was so fun for me to go back and, like, watch all the condensed games just to kind of refresh them in my mind. And just go back through my notes and stuff and just think of all the stuff. that Because so much stuff happened that you kind of forget it. And this was, for me, a really good way to sort of remind myself of all the crazy shit that had gone down over the course. Of, like, just going through my notes from the from the double overtime game, I was just blown. There were, like, four pages of just, like, me losing my mind in my notes because I couldn't handle it. <laughs> and that was really cool to sort of review as well. And to just sort of, like, hammer all those out in a couple days and get them in, it was a lot of work and, like, a couple pretty sleepless nights, but I was pretty like happy with I, I'm pretty happy with how it all turned out I can't wait for people to see it and I feel like I enjoyed the playoff run more by getting to sort of go back and just like retrace my steps and write everything out again in, in sort of different words in a different sort of tone it was uh it was great I, I was really worried that like I was jinxing it every time I wrote about like, oh hey, the Raptors, like this was like the one of the big steps on their way to the title, and I was like, should I be putting this in there? This feels like bad karma, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I felt so weird when I called Jack because, you know, I had called Jack on Sunday, and Game Five was going to be on Monday mm -hmm. because we had to get everything in by Monday in in case that they wrapped it up at home, and I basically got on the phone with Jack and said. You know, speak to me as if the Raptors just won the championship. <laughs> like, that's literally the only question I asked him. And Jack being, you know, the grateful and, and wonderful guy that he is, went on a 25-minute spiel mm -hmm. and then asked me if I had any other questions. I was like, nope, I think you covered it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was the easiest interview that I've ever done um, because I just sat there and listened. And, you know, got emotional when he talked about the, the journey that the organization has been on, mm -hmm. um, the city and, you know, some of the players and things like that. And, you know, just to circle back on my point, I know people were saying, wow, like real, uh, real confident move to like a book ready um, if they didn't win. So basically, like what we do is like, you know, if it didn't work, we were going to be paid what they call a kill fee, mm -hmm. like just a fee for putting in the work, even though the work doesn't get published. And, you know, um, we were, I know, I don't know what the right word is, but we were lucky for it to happen. And, you know, I'm very proud of the work too. And, you know, for me, uh, I think because I'm just always a very negative person, like I was just always like, even when the Raptors won and, and you know, we put out the links, I was like, you know, who, who's really going to care about this? <laughs> and it, it's been cool. It's been cool to see. I know you mentioned what your dad bought 20 copies. Yep. I was like, you got a couple free ones, eh, dad? And he's like, oh, sorry, uh, 20 already ordered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, I know my sister, you know, put up a post on Instagram basically saying that if anybody wants a copy of my brother's book, like I'll personally buy it. Just let me know. <laughs> um, so she's been pre-ordering for people. Um, shout out to my mom for hitting me up. Be like, do I get a free copy? Um, <laughs> appreciate it. She's very on brand. Um, probably wants like, you know, a side of McDonald's fries with that. Um, but you know, I've had a lot of friends reach out. Um, it's been amazing. And, and again, you know, for anybody listening that wants to check it out, just go on Amazon Indigo, wherever you buy your books. Um, it's called We the Champs. And you can look up our names, Alex Wong and Sean Woodley, or just hit up hit us up on social. Like, we're, we're very proud of the work. And I think as time goes on and, like, having this 
copy of the book in hand. Like we're saying, man, it's kind of, again, a one-of-a-kind one moment, right? Yeah. Like for the fan base and, and honestly for us personally, like we both covered the team and things like that. And to have just been a part of, you know, delivering something that's out there that exists now, you know, for the fans. And, you know, it's, it's going to be awesome. Like not everyone, not everyone gets a chance to, to, to do what we do and to put together something commemorative that we're going to remember forever. Yeah, I uh, I can't wait to get a copy and put it on my shelf because that's gonna be there forever, man. Like it, it's that's the thing about this title is it's forever, and that is like what has not really set in for me yet. I don't think I've really sort of like taken in sort of the the magnitude of like having a book that's gonna be like an indigo across the country, but like it's it's really cool, and I, I'm really thankful that you reached out to me to have me be part of it. It's a blast, and I uh, I had a lot of fun putting it putting it together and I'm looking forward to uh, plugging it shamelessly all over the place over the next couple of weeks here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so apparently we got we got like an email from the publishers like PR yeah. just being like oh we're gonna we're gonna set up all these radio interviews with you <laughs> and like people don't even know I mean like I hate doing radio interviews <laughs> um, but now it's like man I just reached out to like Raptors Republic myself being like hey remember all those times that I said no I'm not doing this podcast <laughs> I am I would like to now self-invite myself on. <laughs> so, and you know, honestly, to people, like, we don't need to get into the detail, like, financially and stuff. But yeah. it's not like every book that we make is going to add significantly to us, like, financially. Or no, whatever. no. Like, like, it's not like that's why we're doing it. Honestly, for me, it's just, you know, I think we're both proud of the work that we put in for this. And it's just about reaching out and letting, you know, every person who cares about the Raptors know that this year exists, and I think it's at a pretty good price point. I believe it's like nineteen ninety nine at most. Seventeen seventy five um, if you order on Indigo right now. Yeah, seventeen seventy five, and I believe it's nineteen ninety nine on Amazon right now. Like mm. you know, I don't think we're promoting something that's kind of heavily overpriced, whatever it might be. You know. Yeah. Um, I think it's very fairly priced for what it is, um, and and for the value that I think readers are going to get out of. It, whether it's the photography or the words or the combination of the two and yeah like we'll i guess we'll be shamelessly doing a lot of the radio stuff uh, <laughs> podcasts and things like that just just wanting to get the word out as many people as possible and you know if anyone's interested in knowing more details about the book and stuff you know i'm sure you know sean as well like we're you know you can feel free to message us yep on social media and stuff like i don't necessarily like see everything just because like i try to avoid my mentions a lot um <laughs> You know, if, if you want to send me like a direct message or whatever it might be, like happy to kind of chat about it, provide more details, whatever it is. But yeah, no, like I'm just kind of repeating myself. But you know, I'm, I'm proud we got to work on this together. I think it's, uh, I think it's a really kind of special project. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really, really happy with it too. And uh, yeah, my DMs are open if you have any questions about it or if you have any concerns about ordering it in the place where you live. I know we've had a couple people overseas who are looking to order copies, so. Feel free to uh, jump in the DMs. Mine are always open. Uh, Alex, man, I got to split because I have to go to the mall to buy more championship gear because I'm upset that mine's not shipping for a couple days. So I just want to get some stuff that I can actually like wear around <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm going to the mall. Uh, this was great, man. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Again, the book is We the Champs. Please uh, find it and support us if you like our work. And I, uh, I'm sure I'll be... 
there'll be some like radio giveaways and stuff like that. I'll be hosting some radio next week in Hamilton, so you can listen in if you want to try to win free copies. But uh, please buy copies also because that would very much be uh, appreciated. And that's gonna do it, Alex. Anything in addition to the book you would like to plug? Uh, just just look for those bootleg Jeremy Lin bobbleheads. <laughs> just maybe Google bootleg Jeremy Lin bobblehead and just. Oh no. Oh, you cut out there. Uh, Jeremy Lynn Bobblehead, it is. Uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get people on that. At Steve uh, underscore LeBron on Twitter. Buy, buy all the bootleg Jeremy Lynn Bobbleheads. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for me, you can just subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya. Uh, thank you so much. We've had a lot of new listeners over the last little while. And uh, if you want to stick around, it's going to be fun. we got an off-season to worry about. That'll take place in the coming days, uh, the parade. I'm going to try to do something around the parade. I'm not sure what it'll be, but uh, there'll be some sort of podcast parade content uh, coming out Monday or Tuesday. I uh, can't wait for the parade. Hopefully I see you down there, buddy. And uh, again, we the champs. Indigo, Amazon, Triumph Books, wherever you want to get it. It's uh, And in stores pretty soon, too. So keep an eye out there. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to Grip6 and Hotels.com for sponsoring today's show. And we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.